So we are on lesson five of our spring quarter, and the title of the lesson is The Redeemed People of God. Scripture will be Revelation chapter seven. So Lord, we thank you for this glimpse into the future. Uh, We believe that it is the not too distant future. And uh, we know that many people will be saved during this tribulation period to come. And uh, we're going to see some of those here. And so we do pray that you would give us understanding. We pray that your Holy Spirit would illuminate your word to us, that we might be faithful to you in these last days. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so the title of the lesson is The Redeemed People of God. Yeah, so the the last verse of chapter 6 posed a question, right? And the, yeah, the, the question was from the pagans on earth in the tribulation period during these uh, six seal judgments. And on the six, the first five seal judgments, they're oblivious to what's going on. In the sixth seal ju- judgment, they ask a question. And that question is for the great day of their wrath has come. That's of God and of the Lamb. And who is able to stand? That is that question. Chapter 7 answers that question. Okay, we're going to see who is able to stand in the tribulation. Some stand in life, some stand in death. Okay, so the first uh, section A is the sealing of the 144,000. This is not the 144,000 of the Jehovah Witnesses. Yes, so... Because that's a that's a twisting and turning of scripture to Yes, yes. So here it will tell us very clearly who the one hundred forty four thousand are. So can I have somebody read chapter seven verses one through eight? Okay. Score. Thank you, sir. Yeah, so um yeah, going back to verse one it says after this, so again, this is chronological, so av- after this sixth seal, John sees four angels standing at the four corners of the earth. That's like at the four points of the compass. That's the same sort of figure of speech, holding back the four winds of the earth so that no wind would blow on the earth or on the sea or on any tree. So they're holding back disaster from happening there. And then, the, you know, why they're holding it back is given to us in verse 3. But before that, we'll go to verse 2. Then he saw another angel ascending from the rising of the sun. So where is that? That's from the east, right? The rising of the sun rises in the east. Having the seal of the living God, and he's going to use the seal, And he cried out with a loud voice to the four angels to whom it was granted to harm the earth and the sea, saying, Do not harm the earth or the sea or the trees until we have sealed the bondservants of our God on their foreheads. So I just want you to notice, angels are all over the place in Revelation. You know, the four living creatures, which are identified in Ezekiel as cherubim, um, Myriads upon myriads of angels in heaven and thousands of thousands of angels in heaven. 
and angels are take a great part in the the outworking of the tribulation period. So here we have four angels holding back the four winds of the earth from the four points of the compass, so all over the world. And uh, just as an aside, this thought came through my mind as I was getting ready for this, that angels also come to get believers at the point of death. Okay, when you, when you die as a believer, angels will come and get you and take you to heaven. And where do we know that from? We know that from uh, Luke 16. Luke 16 is such an important, I think, it really gives us a good glimpse into the workings of what happens after physical death. Um, between death and resurrection, so it's a good thing to look at. Um, it it will give you a lot of insight. So in Luke sixteen twenty two, this is the rich man and Lazarus. It says, "Now the poor man Lazarus died and was carried away by the angels to Abraham's bosom, and the rich man also died and was buried." Doesn't say anything about angels there with the rich man, but the believer was carried by angels to Abraham's bosom. And, uh, you know, now Paul tells us that when we're absent from the body, we're present with the Lord. So we'll be carried to heaven where God dwells at the, at the moment of death. Isn't that comforting? I find that very comforting. But Lord, we would like you to come rapture us today, if you would. <laughs> we, I, because I would rather do that. <laughs> that have angels come carry me <laughs> at death. Although I know it's going to be okay if it happens. Okay. So verse 2, the angel is ascending from the east with the seal of God. So what about us in relation to a seal? Yes, we have been sealed with the Holy Spirit. When did that happen? Right, the moment of belief. We were sealed. That is Ephesians 1, 13. In him, Jesus, you also, after listening to the message of truth, that's the call that God gives you, the gospel of your salvation, having also believed, that's the justification, you know, that Romans 8, 28 and 20 and 30 passage, foreknew, you know, Etc. called justified. That's what's happening there. So you were called, then you believed you're justified, and when you're justified, you're sealed in him with the Holy Spirit of promise. So we are sealed also. And I'm thinking that they're probably sealed in exactly the same way that we are by trust in the Messiah. Because remember, the Jews have a partial hardening right now on them. Some Jews are saved, most Jews are not saved, because God has judicially placed this partial hardening on them when they rejected their Messiah 2,000 years ago. So there's few Jewish believers. So, um, but anyway, what will happen when the church is raptured is many of the Jews will wake up. No, from the... the these blinders will be taken away because, I mean, it says specifically 
that when the fullness of the Gentiles come in, the Lord will take away this blindness from Israel. And so, you know, the Jehovah's Witness has claimed the 144,000 for their own. The Jehovah's Witnesses. Yeah. So in verse 3, it says, saying, Do not harm the earth or the sea or the trees for how long? Until we have sealed the bondservants of our God on their foreheads. So what does that mean? That should mean that before uh, these judgments begin to tear up the earth and the trees and the seas, that these Jews will be sealed. So the sealing of the 144,000 will happen very early in the tribulation period. At least before the sixth seal. Because remember on the sixth seal, there was damage to the earth. You know, there was a great earthquake. The sun became black as sackcloth made of hair. Now that that verse is not speaking about the sky. Stars of the sky fell to the earth as a fig tree cast its unripe figs when shaken by the wind. But it says every mountain and island were moved out of their places. So that is a change to the earth, to the construction of the earth. So it has to be before that. And I've heard, I know that Andy Woods, the president of Dean Seminary, thinks it's before the second seal, which is World War. But anyway, it's before the earth is damaged or before the trees or the sea is damaged, that these people are sealed. Right, yeah, war can cause a lot of damage, so it may be before sealed too. Yeah. You know, it may, it may be at the rapture and then the rise of a world leader, the Jews will say, whoa, this is, you know, all these, all these people were right, our crazy Jewish brothers that believed in Jesus, they were right. <laughs> You know, yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure Sorry. the number of Jews on the, on the earth, but you know, the Jews have always been a minority country, always, because God uses the weak. Oh, I wanted to go back to something about verse two here. So what does the seal imply when you're sealed? When you're sealed at belief, what does that imply? Yeah, that means God owns you. So that, yeah, I mean, that is ownership by God. And it also means that you have physical security until your mission is accomplished on earth. Each of us has a mission. Did you know that? We all have a mission on earth that God has for us. And until that mission is accomplished, he will preserve us physically. So, and that's in Ephesians 2. And verse 10. Well, I got to read 8 and 9 too, because that's, you know, you just got to. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. Now why? For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. So the Lord 
saves you because he loves you, but he also saves you because he wants to use you to bless other people. He wants to use you as a blessing. That's what we learned about last week for Abraham. He said, God told him, you shall be a blessing where you go, right? And so, and we also learned last week the Lord wanted him to stay in Shechem and be a blessing there. And and Abram said, I'm going to move on. <laughs> he didn't get it yet. So, and, and we're like that too all the time. But the Lord wants to use you to bless other people. That is your mission in life. No. Yeah, we all have to learn about that. So, so anyway... Um, these are, in verse 2, no, in verse 3 it says, Do not harm the earth or the sea or the trees until we have sealed the bondservants of our God. So what do all the apostles call themselves? They call themselves bondservants, right? That's what Peter calls himself. That's what Paul calls himself. They'll call them, they're bondservants of God. They're slaves of God. They recognize that. And that's what these 144,000 are, slaves of God. These are evangelists. These are 144,000 Pauls sent out into the earth. Can you imagine what will happen with 144,000 Pauls being sent out over the world? That's why the tribulation period is the greatest revival in world history. So th that and the the other thing is that the, even the pagans are recognizing that God is upset <laughs> right now. You know, the pagans in verse six or in seal six are recognizing this is bad news, man, because God is mad. So um, and notice that God is very good at math, which I appreciate. He invented math. God invented math. math. Math is interesting, you know. There's interesting stuff. But <clears throat> there's 12 tribes listed here, and each, each tribe has a very specific number um, that are sealed. And they are 12,000 from each tribe. Now, there's some curiosities in the tribes that are mentioned tribe of Dan is not mentioned. You will not, you will not find the tribe of Dan in that list. The tribe of Ephraim is not mentioned. You will see Joseph instead. You know, Joseph is Manasseh and Ephraim because Joseph was Manasseh and Ephraim's father. Ephraim and Dan are both absent. And, uh, you know, I... I just want to read to you a couple things about these two tribes. This is from Judges 18, verses 30 and 31, and this is about Dan. Uh, verses 30 and 31. It's toward the end of the book of Judges. So, um, yeah, the, the last few chapters of the book of Judges keep saying over and over that there was no king in Israel. Every man did what was right in his own eyes. And we see that happening in our country today. You know, the, our Supreme Court just gave us an income tax, which is unconstitutional. But they did it. 
And so now it's the law of the land. But they legislated, yeah. Everyone does what is right in their own eyes. The Manhattan DA is is uh, just indicted our former president without a legal basis. That's hard for them to solve. No, yeah. So, the, so the our legal system has kind of gone by the wayside. Um, because every man is doing what is right in his own eyes. They're not submitting to the written law, and that's and you know the Jews had a written law, the law of Moses, and they were to submit to that under God. This is the problem with the sin nature. The sin nature is unwilling to submit to law, any law. Even when you put the sin nature under law, it inflames it. You know, that's our problem. But anyway, this is about Dan, Judges 18, 30, and 31. The sons of Dan set up for themselves the graven image, and Jonathan, the son of Gershom, the son of Manasseh, he and his sons were priests to the tribe of Dan, to the tribe of the Danites until the day of the captivity of the land. So they set up for themselves Micah's graven image, which he had made all the time that the house of God was at Shiloh. So that was very early in Israel's history in the land. They went into idolatry. They stayed in idolatry all the way till they were taken away by the Assyrians in 722 B.C. Then for Ephraim... We look at First Kings, and you remember King Jeroboam? You remember what tribe King Jeroboam was from? This is maybe too detail, too much minutia for quiz <laughs> quizzing. Jeroboam was an Ephraimite. He was from the tribe of Ephraim. So First uh, Kings 12, this is 26 through 30. Okay, this is after David's, or not David's, Solomon's son Rehoboam. They came to him, Jeroboam leading, and saying, lighten our load, because they'd placed a lot of taxes on them. You know, he was making them work. He was conscripting them to work and stuff like that, Solomon was, and they wanted Rehoboam to lighten their load. And Rehoboam listened to the elders of with Solomon who advised him to go ahead and lighten the load. And then he talked to his buddies, his friends. And they said, no, make it harder on him. He went with his friends, and that caused them to rebel. And so uh, so the northern tribes rebelled, along with Jeroboam, who was leading them. Then this is what it says, 1 Kings 12, 26. Jeroboam said in his heart, Now the kingdom will return to the house of David. If this people go up to offer sacrifices in the house of the Lord at Jerusalem, then the heart of this people will return to their Lord, even to Rehoboam, king of Judah, and they will kill me and return to Rehoboam, king of Judah. So the king consulted and made two golden calves, and he said to them, it is too much for you to go up to Jerusalem. Behold your gods, O Israel, that brought you up from the land of Egypt. He set one in Bethel, and the other he put in Dan. Now this thing became a sin, for the people went to worship before the one as far as Dan. So both Dan, the tribes of Dan and Ephraim, were involved in 
idolatry for a long period of their history, and so that's why some people believe that they're left out of this list. So Dan and Ephraim are removed from the list of these evangelists in the tribulation period, but in the millennium, they are given land in the millennium. That's in Ezekiel. So, um, so you know, this is a blessing, really, to be used by God in this way to do this monumental thing that they're that he is charging them with in the tribulation period. So um, Dan and Ephraim are going to miss out on that blessing. But they were given a promise by him, you know, to all the patriarchs that their descendants would inherit this land and the Lord will keep that promise. So this is uh, Ezekiel 48, verse 1. Now, these are the names of the tribes from the northern extremity of the land of Israel in the millennium, beside the way of Hethlon to Lebo Hamath, as far as Hazar Inan, at the border of Damascus, toward the north, beside Hamath, running from east to west, Dan, one portion. So, in the far north of Israel, there's a horizontal slice of land that is for Dan. Okay? Then Ezekiel 48.5 Beside the border of Manasseh, so it comes. This description comes from north to south, and they take slices of Israel. And beside the border of Manasseh, so Manasseh will be on their north, from the east side to the west side, Ephraim, one portion. So Ephraim will have land in the millennium, as is their due. But they're excluded from this blessing of being part of the evangelists that will evangelize the world. So, that, and that happens in our life too. We are saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ alone. The Lord wants to use us. He wants to bless us. He wants to give us blessings. And that comes through obedience. When we are disobedient, we miss out on the blessings we could have had. Just like Ephraim and Dan here. They missed out on this blessing. Okay. So that is why you want to, we want to be walking in the Spirit. We want to have short accounts as far as sin. When we sin, we want to confess them right away when we recognize and keep in fellowship with the Lord because then he will use us and we won't miss out on blessings. I like blessings, <laughs> don't you? I love blessings. I want to be blessed all the time. So anyway, so that is the ceiling of the 144 Anybody else have something about that? So it's very clear that they are not Gentiles. It's very clear that they are not the church. They are Jews in the tribulation period who have been saved. And when they are saved, they are sealed. Okay. And this angel seals. You know, I wonder if God can see some seal on our forehead that we can't see. I wonder if believers have a stamp, a G on their head or something, or a, you know, yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, you know, I just, I wonder, you know, I, I speculate about things a lot and, and think about things, but I do wonder, because in Ezekiel, you know, 10, they talked about sealing. Also, those who believed 
who wouldn't be, you know, massacred when the Babylonians came. Um, but we, we have a seal also. And I'm thankful that I'm sealed. I am thankful. It makes me secure. I didn't need a stamp pad. Yeah. So section B is the vast number of worshipers. And that is verses 9 through 12 of chapter 7. I'll read that part. After these things, okay, so again, he's moving along chronologically. He saw the 144,000, now he's moving along. I looked and behold a great multitude which no one could count from every nation and all tribes and peoples and tongues standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes and palm branches were in their hands. And they cry out with a loud voice, saying, Salvation to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And all the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures, and they fell on their faces before the throne and worshiped God, saying, Amen. Blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. So the 144,000 we see are on the earth, right? Where are these? Are they on the earth? Where Where is this throne there before? It's in heaven. Because we go back to the throne of God. We go back to the living beings. We go back to the 24 elders. All these were in heaven, remember? Jesus said to John, come up here. That's when he saw these things. So they're before God and before his throne. They are in heaven. What does that imply? It implies they've been killed. <laughs> That's what that implies. So, um, so, you know, verses 4 through 8 dealt with Jewish evangelists. This section deals with the product of their evangelism. How many were there? Nobody could count them. They're like the stars. And are they Jewish? Yeah, I guess some of them could be Jewish. But they're Gentiles. They're Gentiles. They're all the nations. So the Jews form one nation. They're what, Jews are one nation out of many. This is worldwide. This, this uh, phrase, every nation, all tribes and peoples and tongues, this is used frequently, and it, it's worldwide when it says that. It says those four things. That means it's a worldwide uh, phenomenon. So this is a worldwide revival. And now the quarterly introduces some confusion, which I want to clear up. This is on page 52 of the quarterly. Okay, yeah, the, you know, this drives me wild when they do stuff like this. It says, many ideas have been suggested regarding the identity of this host of believers. They could be the saved of all the ages. Only Gentile believers or martyrs killed during a final period of great distress to name three common views. Okay. Well, we're going to see later that 
um, all believers are ruled out. We're going to see, well, we already have seen that from the 24 elders, which are representative of the church, that it is not the church-age believers. So what these are, are tribulation saints, tribulation martyrs. That's what these are. So the, the quarterly irritates me. In this quarter, it has irritated me the most of any. <laughs> because they, they refuse to interpret it the correct way. And, you know, that's what happened to our denomination, really. Our denomination wanted to accept all these interpretations so we would have more churches. Um, instead of just sticking with, you know, in the statement that we went back to, a 1950 statement, talks about the premillennial kingdom, premillennial return of Christ, about the pre-tribulational rapture of the church and these things. And these can be demonstrated from Scripture, but they didn't want to uh, stick with that. And so they've accepted all sorts of views and, and created terrible confusion. Yeah. Well, I'm not saying these people aren't saved. Oh, I'm, I, yeah. It, so it, yeah. Yeah. I mean, thankfully, it doesn't have to do with people's salvation because salvation yeah. is so simple, it, it's very hard to mess it up. You know, you believe in Jesus, you're saved. Amen. It's a slippery slope because the yeah. of the Well, that, that might, takes away salvation that, right that might keep you from being saved. Yeah. Because or Yeshua. As, as we like to say, say we like to say Yeshua, yes, that's right. So anyway, that's so I think it's important for us to pray for our fellow free churches. We love them. We want them not to be confused. Okay, um, so look at verse 14 in the next section. We'll read it again, but... So John said to, an elder came up to John and he asked him, who are these people? Where do they come from? John said, my Lord, you know. So he didn't try to make it up. And he said to me, the elder said, these are the ones who come out of the great tribulation. That's pretty clear. <laughs> they came out of the great tribulation. Okay. And they have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. So they, that is what we have done. Jesus' blood is what saves us when we believe in him. Because he shed his blood, he made us savable when he did that. Everyone is savable the moment he did that. But I think it's so clear. He says, these are the ones who came out of the great tribulation. Okay. <laughs> That's who they are. They come out of the Great Tribulation. Okay, so, you know, and that's because people take uh, the theological systems and they adopt that, and then they look at the Bible in light of that, instead of just looking at the Bible. When you just look at the Bible and then you develop your theology out of what the Bible says, that's better, because that makes the Bible the authority, and not John Calvin the authority or not Jacobus Arminius, the authority, not a man, the authority. We want God to be the authority. Yes, the Je I forget who started the Jehovah's Witnesses, but that's exactly what they did. They had a theology. Yeah, 
They had a theology, and they changed the Bible to fit their theology. And poor Joseph Smith, he had help from a demon named Maroni to rewrite Scripture and add all sorts of things to it. So it's interesting, maybe all of these are demonically inspired. You know, may, you know, Satan comes as an angel of light to people, and if they're not... Um, it's what matters is the truth, the truth. That's what we want. We want the truth. Should we be nice? We should be really nice. We should be very nice. Sometimes, the truth does not allow you to be nice to people. It is more loving to be hard and stand on the truth. Yeah, and and tell and tell them what they. Yeah, tell them what they need to hear. So. So verse 10, and they cry out with a loud voice, salvation to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Salvation is found nowhere else. Nowhere in all the world is salvation found except here. Not in Buddha, not in chanting, not in yoga, not in Wicca, not in Gaia. Not in mother worship, you know, in mother earth worship. Salvation is found nowhere else. And Peter said that. He said, Acts 4.12, And there is salvation in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven that has been given among men by which we must be saved. And what name is that? Jesus. Yeshua. Yeshua HaMashiach. Right. We just remember, remembered that, <laughs> didn't we? Right, yeah. yeah I, I, just, I'm sorry. I just recently saw a little clip from 11 years ago between Piers Morgan, you know Piers Morgan, and Joel Osteen. Joel Osteen is a preacher that I would not go to his church. He's a prosperity gospel guy. Piers Morgan is a British uh, like newsman commentator guy. And... Uh, and Piers Morgan, this was 11 years ago, and he was talking. they were talking about homosexuality. And Joel Osteen condemned it. And Piers Morgan says, you're a very progressive preacher, you know. Don't you think the Bible should evolve with the times? And think, you know, to... And I... I was, I was proud of him when I was watching this, because he says... Yeah, no, he says, well, I stand on the Scripture. And he says, well, hasn't things changed? He says, you know, I think 200 years from now, the scripture will still say the same thing. <laughs> the scripture does not change. And so that was one time I said, go, Joel. <laughs> so I want to read to you another scripture about Jesus' exclusivity. John 14, 6, Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. So I have one more about this, because this is very important. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 5. There is one God, and one mediator also between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. So this verse emphasizes his humanity. Because he is both God and man, he can atone for all of us. He can represent all of us, okay? 
He is the only one who is able to do it. No one else has the credentials. Yeah, so for the online people, I'm going to start doing this every time. This is the gospel. Jesus died for our sins. According to the scripture, he was the only one qualified to do so. He was buried and he rose again. And when you believe that fact, he grants you eternal life. Because he has the power to do that also. And you are forever saved. And then you get the opportunity to walk with him. And be blessed. Okay? So that's what they, the, uh, all these uh, tribulation martyrs are crying out with a loud voice. Salvation to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Um, this is where salvation is found. So verse 11, all the angels are standing around the throne. So this is reminiscent of chapters 4 and 5. And around the elders, that says church people, and the four living creatures, which are must be higher-ranking angels, the cherubim, and they fell on their faces. You ever fall on your face to worship God? Yeah, I I have done that usually when I'm in dire straits. Feels good. <laughs> I'm looking forward to it. Um, I'm looking forward to be able to get up when I do. Yeah, that. <laughs> yes, it'll be it'll be great if he could get up again. Yes. So they, they worship in prostration. I mean, they're really going at it. Yeah. Yeah, remember, we want to worship God in spirit and in truth. And so um, that's how we should worship him. Then verse 12 saying, this is a sevenfold doxology. What is doxology? Doxa is Greek for glory. Ology is Greek for study. It's a study of glory. And uh, it's sandwiched between amens. So amen, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God. Forever and ever. Amen. So it's going to be awesome um, in heaven. During the tribulation on earth, not so much. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 That that's a great song. I can yes, only imagine. It it's hard to imagine. Okay, we're looking forward to it. So now, section C. Of course, we've already tipped our hand, but the identity of the worshippers. That's verses thirteen through seventeen. Somebody want to read that? So thirteen through the end of the chapter. Okay. Thank you, ma'am. Okay, yeah, so verse 13, Then one of the elders answered, saying to me, These who are clothed in the white robes, who are they, and where have they come from? So he's asking these, uh, who, so many who can't be counted, all nations, they're in heaven, where did they come from? Verse 14, I said to him, My Lord, you know. And, you know, that's, that's very good. We, we shouldn't try to make stuff up. If we don't know, it's okay to say you don't know. Um, there are th some things God will never tell us, right? Some things he will never tell us. It says that at the end of Deuter Deuteronomy 29, the secret things are of the Lord. 
but the things written are so that you can walk with me. That's my paraphrase. Yeah, yeah, there's some things, you know, God's infinite, we are not, and there's some things we will just never know. And uh, John is not afraid to say, I don't know. <laughs> He's the apostle, you know, the, the great apostle, the last living apostle on earth. And he's, it's okay for him to say, I, I don't know. I don't know who these are. I think some of them. Yeah, so uh, anyway, so John doesn't know. He doesn't try to make it up. You know, all of us are ignorant about some things. The Lord desires that we obey what we do know. Okay, if you obey what you do know, uh, that is called spiritual growth. And study to show yourselves approved. Second Timothy 2 Fifteen says, study to show yourself approved, that you might rightly divide the word of God. So that's what we all want to be doing, and that's what our Sunday school class is all about. But we want to be obeying what we know, and if we do, the Lord will bless us, he will cause us to grow, and he will give us more insight. He will teach us more. And that's in John fifteen fourteen and 15, he says, if you keep my commandments, you are my friends. And I will tell you all that the Father has told me. So you will get more insight. Well, that's part of our, our mission on earth, is to uh, demonstrate heaven's values in Satan's territory. That's, that's part of our mission. We, as we follow the Lord, we are lights in the earth. We are salt on the earth. We're the preservative to the earth. And uh, that's part of our mission. Yeah. And the new nature that, the God, that God gives us as a believer allows us to do that. The old nature is still within, and the old nature is still railing against God. That's why we have to starve it. The new nature says, yeah, I'll follow you, Lord. Sure. I'd be happy to. I want to. That's what the new nature does. Yeah, and that's in this time at the National Restoration of Israel. Yeah. Okay, now this also makes me lean toward temporary bodies because it says, you know, it says in verse 15 that they will serve him day and night in his temple, and, and they're in heaven now. They're in robes or waving palm branches in heaven. So I, I hope that that's true. <laughs> I would rather have a temporary body in heaven than have a, a disembodied spirit. But whatever the Lord thinks is best. But I, but I would prefer that if it's my choice. And no hunger, etc., and no sun beating on them, nor any heat. So this is likely a contrast to what they came from in the tribulation. They're hungry. They were getting, you know, all sorts of terrible things happening to them, and eventually they were killed. But here they will be, they'll be well cared for. And then the last, verse 17, For the Lamb in the center of the throne will be their shepherd and will guide them to springs of the water of life. This sounds like what will be going on in the eternal state. And God will wipe every tear from their eyes. So in the eternal state, God appears... Oh, yeah, I I heard this somewhere. I wanted to relay this to you. Because we think about, okay, how about the people that refuse to believe and go to hell? 
They refuse to believe and they go to hell. Doesn't that make our existence bad to think about that? I heard somebody mention this and I wanted to get, relay this to you also. This is from Isaiah 65. Some, you know, people have a will, a free will, and they're going to decide what they want. So this is what it says in Isaiah 65, 17. For behold, I create new heavens and a new earth, and the former things will not be remembered or come to mind. I think that's an indication that there will be a kind of a there will be a selective eraser of things like that. In other words, I I think right, right, right. I think the Lord will probably out of mercy to us take the the idea that that thought away. Yeah, yeah, like ladies having a baby, right? It's probably it's 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 terrible when it's happening, but then afterwards it's like okay, yeah, let's have another one. Anyway, maybe like that. I don't know, but I think the Lord has uh, something planned so that we won't be in anguish about that. So, Lord, we thank you for this uh, a view of the hundred forty-four thousand Jewish evangelists in the tribulation, and also the many multiple saved from around the world great revival and lord we pray for many to be saved now before the rapture before that happens as they hear about this and think about this in jesus name amen